Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free Axon desk pad. Anyone who emails marketing at axontire.com, Axon will send out an Axon desk pad. Uh, make sure you send. Make sure you mention the Moving Iron Podcast when you email marketing at axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales. TractorZoom's iron comps are, is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by Axon. Or not Axon, I did that one. It's brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. Their dealer connects CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Chip is with Blue Roof Agro Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and he is nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Chip, how are you doing this morning? Hey, good. How are you doing, Casey? It's been a been a minute, so they say, since uh, yeah. since we talked. Been just a, just a just a skosh there. A lot of stuff going on, Chip. Man, I'll tell you what it's been yeah. a uh, it's been a very um, topsy turvy market. The, the uh, we're in the middle of a well, no one said we are yet, but we're unofficially officially in a recession. Sounds like. And something like that. Yeah. We won't know that though, uh, until we're like way out of the recession and then we can say not now we're in a recovery, Yeah, but we can't say we're in a recession while we're in a recession only after you can only recover after, you know, you just jump from fine to nothing, nothing bad to see your folks keep moving on to no, guess what? We're in a recovery. So like what? Yeah. How's that work? Yeah. So yes, that's right. We got that going on. Um, Oddly enough, the price of the dollar has uh, maintained its 
momentum and actually grown in strength compared to other currencies around the world. So that really shows you how uh, worse off the rest of the world is compared to where comparatively to where we're at. So I guess looking at the dollar and what we saw happen yesterday, especially there's this huge sell off, sell off in all the commodities across the board. Uh, even the stock market took a big hit. I guess looking at that dollar chip, what are your thoughts there? And, and how do you see that playing into this, you know, last quarter of the year selling and going into that first quarter of the year marketing plan? Yeah. Well, um, 20 year highs in, in the dollar yeah. index uh, yesterday. So I call it the uh, cleanest dirty shirt syndrome. Um, not that, uh, anything's great right now. We're just the least bad of, of anyone. Um, and so you go back a couple of weeks here to the uh, federal reserve, uh, Jackson hole, Wyoming meeting, and they pretty well re reiterated that <clears throat> we're going to do everything that we can to keep interest rates, um, you know, increasing. <clears throat> we're going to stick to our guns here with, you know, regular measured interest rate increases to combat inflation. Um, and, and really all currency and dollar fluctuations are, is interest rate differential. So as our interest rates go higher, faster than other parts of the country, it becomes uh, friendly to the dollar. And, um, so, uh, you know, with that being said, that also becomes um, problematic, especially in emerging markets. Um, uh, you know, it fuels actually uh, uh, faster and uh, in, in worse inflation in those countries. It's just, um, you know, whenever there's a little ripple on the pond, it, it you know, heads out in all directions and affects yeah. everyone. So that's the backdrop we're in. Inflation is still fairly high. The Federal Reserve says we are going to uh, be diligent. We're going to keep interest rates uh, uh, strong and rising. Uh, as of yesterday, interest rates are, are almost retesting the previous highs. They're up around 3.2%, give or take, 20-year highs in the dollar. We saw uh, crude oil close under the 50-day or the 200-day moving average for the first time in many, many months yesterday. And um, so commodities are caught in this um, you know, back and forth where Inflation is still there. Federal Reserve says we're going to fight it with rising uh, interest rates. And, you know, these raw commodities, hard assets are kind of caught in the middle. and They don't know uh, which way to go. So it has been uh, a very, very choppy trade. I think that's going to continue. It makes it very confusing. There's, there's you know, the trends are hard to, to come by here. Uh, the rallies don't follow through to the upside. The sell-offs don't follow through to the downside. As you rally, you have producer selling. As you sell off, you have end user buying. And uh, until further notice, we're we're probably uh, uh, you know in that type of a of a market environment in our uh, agricultural markets. Uh, very very choppy, um, volatile, uh, large trading ranges, erratic moves, and uh, we're fighting all this out under this backdrop of inflation and uh, strong dollar we likely have, um, you know, our crop size shrinking and, yeah. uh, at least on corn. Yep. And so that throws, you know, another monkey wrench, uh, in there and makes it even more confusing to figure out uh, what to do out here. Yep. So that was my next thing I was going to talk to you about. You got, you got those crop tiers that went through, uh, last week and really, I think they probably, uh, reaffirmed, I think what, what, what the trade had thought already. Um, 
probably a little more aggressive than what some of the trade thought. You know, obviously we saw some some huge numbers run up, you know, and we're seeing that weather premium get built back into uh, the crop that we see out there now. But when you're looking at, you know, I think Pro Farmer pegged it around 168 and a couple other places out there were in that 170. And, and basically everyone kind of agreed on a about a 50 uh, bushel per acre um, number for uh, soybeans. I guess looking at that chip where we have carry out now, um, you know, what all the weather situation that we have going on now, I mean, we're, we're really at still at zero, it feels like. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I thought Pro Farmer was fairly aggressive. Um, you know, typically they're, um, in my opinion, a little more conservative. But, um, you know, as they move through from the, from the very first day uh, on each extreme, the, the eastern stream out uh, in Ohio and the western stream extreme in uh, South Dakota and Minnesota, they just found consistently disappointing yields. Mm -hmm. And even as it got better into Illinois and Iowa and southern Minnesota, uh, uh, pretty variable. And, you know, you just didn't see those 240, 250, 260 type yields in, uh, uh, you know, in, in the best areas and so they came out 168 and change um you know uh, compared to i think the august usda number was uh 174.9 if i'm not yeah. uh mistaken and so that was an aggressive cut we got a strong rally into that report on friday they came out last friday pro farmer did and you know they uh, as the tour progressed the market just continued to rally based off of those uh, disappointing uh, and, and highly variable yields. We tried to rally early, um, you know, this week, but kind of hit, uh, hit a roadblock here with these outside markets. You know, I mentioned earlier, crude oils, uh, you know, just can't seem to push uh, north of 90 and the dollar strong and interest rates rising rapidly. We've had some weakness in the stock market here and uh, it's really kind of weighed on commodities. You mentioned yesterday, it was just a, one of those general uh, down days, sharply higher interest rates yesterday. Uh, sharply lower crude oil, and that's all you need to know about how the rest of the commodity world's gonna, you know, gonna react here. So on the one hand, you've got shrinking yield potential. Um, on the other hand, a little bit of a disappointing reaction, I guess, that we, um, you know, are kind of struggling here. Uh, I guess December corn is it's up a nickel right now, six sixty three, but we ran right into some resistance in the upper, um, you know, six seventies, low six eighties. And a lot of people scratching their heads saying, hey, if, if we're going to be under 170 bushel yield, why aren't we at, you know, seven, seven and a quarter? And, you know, the answer to that is the, the outside market uh, influence. And, and so it's good and bad. Um, the good news is it, it does illustrate we've got some problems out there this year with yield. The bad news is now there's a really high bar on, uh, you know, getting a bullish yield estimate out of the USDA. September 12th is less than two weeks away. You know, we're coming into um, Labor Day, so we've got a short week next week. There's only four trading days, uh, and and so uh, and then the week after. So we're all really down to 10 trading days, including uh, today, Friday, ahead of that September crop report. They actually start doing uh, actual field surveys, walking fields, doing measurements uh, on this September crop report. And uh, But now the problem is, they have to be pretty friendly. And, and if they take, historically, you see it takes a measured approach, right? Meaning they're not going to just drop it seven bushels at once. They're going to drop it a bushel and a half, two bushels, because right. they have September, October, uh, November, and January to do that uh, and to get the numbers zeroed in. And, and at, unfortunately, typically, as they drop yield, uh, 
they're also dropping demand out of it slightly, and it makes it harder to get uh, just a wildly bullish number. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be bearish. It's just now the market's expecting sub 170 because of pro farmer, right. and the USDA here on the 12th likely isn't going to say sub 170. So that sets the market up for uh, you know disappointment, and we're right on the doorstep of harvest starting. No matter what sure. the crop size is. You know, combines are starting to roll in the south, and within a couple of weeks, they're going to be moving into the you know the heart of the corn belt here in the I states. And it's just a hard time of year for the market uh, to rally. It doesn't mean we don't have great right. potential post harvest, but it would it again it just makes it uh, that much uh, more difficult and and choppy on the on the trade right now. Yep. Yeah, that's, and then of course, obviously, the uh, true tell the tape is, is what actually gets through the combine and the band. So that that'll be interesting. That that January report, you know, like you said, um, yeah, you you mean if if the uh, even if the USDA shows up and says, you know, we're going to drop three bushels from what we what we thought it was, and drop it down to one seventy one or one seventy two or something like that, that's still a huge move in the eyes of of where that. Because I mean, the trade knows exactly what you're talking about, so it's it's going to be a that's probably one of the more closely watched um, reports we'll see this year, just because of, of how that reaction to that overall market is going to be. So, yeah, for sure. And, and what the change is, um, right. uh, you know, I mean, if it's a, if it's a bushel, it's going to be seen as, you know, probably a little bit negative. It's, if it's three bushels, you right. know, that, that might be a little friendlier with the market, assuming that there's more cuts to come. And and then you know I mean it's it just seems like a hamster on a wheel this time of year because mm-hmm. you get the September report and then it's like okay well in thirty days now we got the October report to look forward to what do, what are they going to say about that and um you know on the bean side of the equation pro farmer was uh, on the high side uh, actually I think they were a touch over fifty one I think it was a little bit higher than where the the USDA estimate is. There have been some really beneficial rains around in the last two or three weeks here um, in, in August in areas. Uh, in areas, it's been very dry and hot. Talking about, uh, uh, you know, aborting uh, pods in those areas. So makes it really difficult to figure out what's out there. You got areas that probably improved in the month of August. Uh, as far as bean yield potential, you got areas that probably went backwards in the month of August. And it's it's hard to uh, to figure out you know, what's, uh, what's out there. You almost have to get the combines rolling through it and, uh, mm-hmm. figure out, uh, you know, what's out there. And, and that might be more of a October type, uh, crop report before we get a little better feel for what, uh, you know, what bean yields are. And then, uh, uh, under this, it's what's China doing. They just continue to lock down uh, cities. That's, yeah, that's so the day, man. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's mind-boggling, you know. Really, what's it's not working? Going on. So I don't know why they keep doing that, but yeah, I don't know either. It, it's yeah. almost as if um, they're purposely trying to slow their aggregate demand down by mandating people stay at home. Um, it's because it doesn't, you know, it, no. it hasn't worked. Hasn't it worked doesn't yet. work. Oh yeah. What's the definition of insanity? You know, doing the same thing over and over, expecting yeah. different results. Uh, so, but that just keeps the fear in the market um, about you know are they going into this slowdown? There, there's already you know a lot of signs and indications that uh, not only us and the rest of the world, but uh, China's in a in a recession. Um, they continue to buy beans. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a, a nice purchase yesterday, 300 and some thousand metric tons uh, to unknown. That's likely China. They've been there multiple times in the last couple of weeks for U.S. beans. Uh, but, you know, the elephant in the room here is everyone knows that Brazil's uh, getting ready to go to the field and plant, and mm-hmm. uh, they're going to plant a lot of acres. And if Mother Nature cooperates for them, which is a big if, uh, they're going to have a massive crop. I mean, like way over 5 billion bushel crop. Yep. If Mother Nature cooperates, they still are fighting uh, La Nina. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, we got some fun and games ahead of us the next few months trying to figure out this world supply and demand situation and in the backdrop of uh, a world recession. The, 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 the other thing that's going on here, and maybe you were going to talk about this, I feel like I'm getting along with it, is this, this European energy situation is, mm-hmm. um, you know, borderline catastrophic. Yeah. Um, and I cannot help but believe that that that's can't be isolated to Europe. There's going to be ripples across the world because of that. That's going to cause a slow. It has to, you, you know, yeah. you have, um, individuals, house, households, yeah. you've got small businesses, restaurants, bars, you're talking three, four, $5,000 a month just for their electricity. Right. You're not even into the winter cold time frame um, when, when, you know, the home heating bills kick in. Right. So it's going to be a catastrophic several months for Europe. There's no way that can yeah. push them into a recession. We're likely already into one, even though we want to rewrite the dictionary and uh, all the statistics. Um, you know, that's it's not, a, it's not a good look we've got going right now no. anywhere in the world. No, it's, it's a struggle for sure. Um, you know, on top of that, though, you've got the PBOC, I mean, they're, and of course, everything China says is above board, but so they got plenty of room to do monetary policy. So they're good to go. So, oh, yeah. Don't worry about that. One thing I do want to hit on is the stuff coming out of Ukraine. So there's about, I think they're up to like 62 or 65 shipments that have left uh, Ukrainian ports. Uh, you're starting to see a pretty more regular basis of those getting out of, of, uh, of the Black Sea region. What this big surge that the, uh, that the Ukrainian forces have made into southern parts of Ukraine and Crimea and the Donbass region. Um, and what Zelensky has said about we're our, our goal now is, is victory. We're not, there's no compromise. We're not doing anything else. Our compromise is win. So I guess, as you look at that and those continuing to see more and more of the uh, traffic coming out of, out of the black sea, when you're looking at the market, the market's kind of just factored that out almost. I mean, I don't know if they factored it out, but they factored it in, right? So the, the any any Ukraine premium or news or stuff like that coming out of Ukraine just doesn't seem to affect the market anymore. Looking at the Ukraine situation, Chip, and, and what's going on with the freighters coming out, I guess, what are your thoughts there? Well, I, I, think, uh, I think several things. I think that's just uh, going to be the, the norm for many months to years to come. You know, there's going to be conflict in that area sure. for the foreseeable future uh, uh, for years, years and years, most likely, uh, back and forth. And, you know, even when there's not officially a war, there's going to be conflict in that area. There's going to be, you know, battles back and forth. And, and what the result of that is it's going to make that region less stable. Mm-hmm. Um they have put out some some grain out of those areas. The majority of that has been ships that were uh, loaded but stranded at at anchor or at port, uh, 
Um, they've kind of cleared that backlog. I understand there is a little bit moving out, but they still have damage to their infrastructure. Sure. All it's going to take is one um, battle or missile strike somewhere, and you're going to bring that whole thing to a screeching halt. I'm I, quite honestly, knock on wood, surprised that hasn't happened already. That Russia hasn't, you know, thrown a wrench uh, in the in the armor. You saw a report earlier this week about the potential um, for the Ukrainian crop size. Yep. Uh, and it, it just continued as you would expect, right? They're not going to, they're still in the middle of a war. There's, you know, bombs in the middle of fields. It's, it's just, um, bedlam over there. And so their wheat production is going to be way below, um, normal and average and even below a year ago, understandably so. So they're not going to bounce back anytime soon. And it's just going to make the region less stable. It's going to make uh, world end users, uh, less confident about supplies out of there if they can get it fine but they're going to have to figure on uh you know sporadic at best supply lines um out of the black sea and and you know have a serious plan b on where they're going to get um you know some regular supplies so it's just that constant battle of of supply and, and demand and um doesn't make it any any easier but you know, I think the take home is to me, this is something that's not going to go away. Um, right. Likely anytime soon for years and years, they'll be fighting through that area. You know, this, this uh, nuclear plant that they've been battling around. Uh, I, I Googled um, uh, Google earth where that was the city that's in it's, it's basically right in the middle of some major agricultural areas. Uh, let's hope nothing happens. With that, the market's been a little bit nervous about that. I would think both sides realize they don't. That is a worst case scenario if something were to happen and release radiation in that area. Right. Um, so it's just it's a it's a mess. It's going to continue to be a mess, and um, you know it's just the world we live in. Unfortunately, is a lot of instability, uh, a lot of gray area, and. Uh, that doesn't make it easy on the markets to kind of figure out uh, uh, what direction to go in. Right. Okay. All right. Let's talk about protein markets here and we'll wrap it up. So if you're looking at what's going on there, um, the unofficial official, I guess it's the official, but unofficially it's the uh, Labor Day weekends, the, uh, you know, the unofficial official um, end of summer. Right. Yeah. So now you start looking at what's going on there. You've got some, some choice beef cutouts there, you know, they're, they kind of fell, they've been falling over the, and you would expect that, right. Going into September is a pretty yep. normal time to see that kind of stuff happen. Um, same with, with hog prices and stuff, but you see across the price there. So I guess looking at those two segments, chip, um, going into winter with, especially with, with herd liquidation, the way we've seen it in, in the number of what the actual herd looks like, what are your thoughts between, you know, obviously this, we'll see the September correction that happens every year, but moving past that into, um, through the winter, do you, do you see a chance to see some, some rebound price in cattle? Well, first and foremost, as I, as I look here, you know, you got deferred cattle, like February live cattle right now are north of 153. So we got a pretty stout, um, you know, number out there. Right. All that being said, yes. I mean, we just continue to see we're now well into two plus years of, of, um, you know, drought led liquidation of breeding stock started, you know, West and North in the plains, 
and they've kind of had their struggles for uh, 18 months or two years, but now it's shifted obviously for, to the Southern Plains and the massive drought they had continue to see, um, you know, liquidation. I think longer term that just becomes wildly friendly. You know, it's going to shrink the herd as if we can kind of get some better rains in these areas and get pastures healed up over time, it's going to take a long time to do that. Right. You get ranchers, um, you know, back in the mode of, okay, now we can put cattle back out on pasture. Um, let's, you know, let's, let's buy some breeding stock back and put them back out on grass and, and rebuild that, that tightens the, you know, available supply, um, uh, you know, of animals up. So that cycle is yet to come. And when that happens, it's going to be very friendly. The deferred feeder and um, fat cattle markets, I, I think to a certain extent, are, are pricing some of that in, uh, that expectation. The economy and the strength of the world economy, and more importantly, the domestic uh, consumer here is going to be important with this. Uh, we, we joked around earlier, are we in a recession? We're not. We're, we're in a recession. Uh, it's probably going to get deeper uh, and worse before it gets better. Um, that's going to go in, into this as well. So I, I think what that means is, just like the, the, the grain markets, we're going to have big, wide, volatile swings. I think that when the market does sell off $8, $10, it, it gets met with good buying and kind of regenerates consumer demand with cheaper prices. And, and I think we're just in this cycle of uh, pretty wide-ranging markets. But I, I think over the next 12 to 18 months, um, especially if you'd get down the road here and stabilize the economy and maybe the election gets, um, uh, people in a better mind that we're going to get out of this, uh, ignorance, uh, that we're in, um, and get some better confidence out in the future and things get really friendly out there, uh, in cattle. I've also noticed here recently that the feeder cattle market is back to, uh, what I call normal. Uh, where it's almost a, a direct inverse to corn. <clears throat> it used to be like that forever. I mean, to the tick, corn's down 10, feeders are going to be up a couple bucks. Um, it broke that for a while. It got volatile. Some days you'd see corn up and feeders up. Uh, we're back to where it's, it's kind of the old-fashioned times. And, and so my point with that is <clears throat> it, corn is going to be part of this equation uh, as well. Uh, it always has been, but it's... It's going to be a more direct correlation now to feeders. Um, so I think we're kind of back to, to normal. Supplies are tightening. The problem ahead is going to be the world and, and domestic economy. Um, I, I think that, you know, breaks will be bought as you get out into late winter and the first quarter of, uh, of 23. Things could get really good. But we might be a year out from some, like, really bullish things because of the liquidation Hogside is is similar, man. We we just have not, with high prices, um, done the expansion on the hog side that you would have expected because of COVID, because of construction costs and inflation. We just have not uh, uh, responded to high prices with increasing demand as you normally would think. Inflation's kind of thrown a little bit of a monkey wrench in this whole supply demand equation that uh, normally works. And so, um, I, I, you know, cautiously friendly to hogs longer term too, although I think we'll be quicker to expand out there. Uh, you know, again, you know, you're looking out here, December, um, you know, December hogs have been 90 bucks, not that long ago. They're still 83, 84 bucks. Uh, historically 
pretty stout level out there. Uh, but with high corn prices, high meal prices, there's not as much margin. So, yep. you know, I think big picture, um, just to ramble on here, Casey, I know we got to wrap up, but I, I think the, the livestock, the protein sector, um, it is in a bull market, but it's not going to be straight up. I think we've got, uh, a, you know, a, a year left uh, ish on uh, really strong, uh, hog prices. We probably have 18 to 36 months of good things in the cattle market because of all the liquidation that we've seen. There's no way you can get around that, uh, and not have, um, you know, some tightening supplies and, and some friendly, um, price reactions eventually down the road here on the cattle side. Right on. Okay. Good stuff as usual, Chip. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at Blue Reef Agri Marketing. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just uh, call our office, 309-550-7213. Uh, we'd love to chat with you. We're low pressure, low stress. Uh, if, if you want uh, a second set of eyes and ears on what your current plan is and some advice on maybe how to improve it, we'd love to chat with you. Right on. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast, Chip. Yeah, thanks, Casey. Have a great Labor Day. Get some R&R &R and uh, yeah. get ready to turn the, turn the calendar into fall now, I guess. Summer's over. I'm excited. All right. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the video version of this over on YouTube at the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, anything Moving Iron related, go to movingironllc.com. you see the latest blog posts as well as uh, all the the entire catalog of the Moving Iron podcast there as well. Moving Iron Summit is coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee on Tuesday, September 6th. Uh, if you're interested in coming to that, we're sold out. Sorry, but you can be ready for next year. So uh, interested, you can see some more information start tr trickling out about that for next year. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, hit me up and we'll do it, do it again next year. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's move some iron folks out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Ooh.